Hello, and welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster, a podcast that explores monsters throughout media, myth, and whatever uh, form they occur in. Uh, I am your host, Leonard. And I'm Dave. I, 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 we wanted to worry you that it was just a Leonard only episode. So that's, that's why the pause. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. It's a, another horrifying weekend. <laughs> well, appropriately for a horrifying weekend, we return to the Legati verse, uh, where we are, uh, going through songs of a dead dreamer and grim scribe with hmm, excuse me minor annotations from uh the conspiracy uh, against the human race uh thomas legati's non-fiction writings uh and we are is this the end of this yes this wraps up um songs for the dead Songs for the Dead? Songs for Insomniacs? No, no, they're dead. They're nope. definitely dead in okay. this one. All right. Dreams, I'm sorry. We, wow. Dreams for the Dead. We are just on point today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is the final three tales of Dreams for the Dead. Yes, and those three tales are the music of the moon, uh, the... <laughs> The diary, the journal of a J. Day, uh, wow, the journal of J. P. Darpo, Pew, Darpo, Drapo, maybe, Drapo, uh, and uh, ooh, you're the one that actually knows how to <laughs> pronounce this one. Valstrin? Final tale, Vastarian. There we go. See, told you, told you, everyone. The Dave knows how to. <laughs> Pronounce things. Um, oh, first. and we. But first, <laughs> well, yes, that. But first, uh, we uh, we should also mention that we will uh, we will also be talking about the hot latest horror video game release, uh, World of Horror, a game that uh, Dave and I have been anticipating for a very long time. Uh, which, unfortunately, I have not had a chance to play, but Dave has. Yes, I've, I've put in a little bit of time into giving this game a go. Uh, ad- additionally, another game that just came out um, this, uh, this last week is Hunt Showdown, which I, I believe previously was on BZ, but just now made its way to consoles. So I'll talk about that a little bit too. Uh, the World of Horror, uh, this is a game by a single creator, and it's been in production for quite some time, three, three at least three years. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah. That's it's at least 2017 was when it, I think, was originally announced, possibly prior to that. I wasn't following it that entire time, just the last year or so, when I became a little bit more aware of it. Um, it is by Penstas. I'm hoping, yeah, I probably got that right. Maybe Pence to Z, who knows? Yes. <laughs> we'll yes, we'll go that with is... that. Yes. Uh, Pence, Pence, it's uh, Pence Stats Z. 
all one word. Yeah, <laughs> we we tried really hard. <laughs> um, tough when it's literally only a written written name. So this is World of Horror or Kyofu no Sekai, and it is uh, well, according to the words of its own creator, a love letter to the horrors of Jinji Ito. And it has a super early um, one-bit aesthetic, similar to the Macintosh games. Yes. Um, it also has a highly customizable um, palette that you can change when you're in the game. So it's it's generally like a black and white imagery, but you can, to your to your whim. Um, customize that and it will be a range of uh, suitable palettes. And I found just on the screen alone, some of them were more friendly to the eyes than, than the stark black and white. Um, yes. There's a few, I think that mimic the, um, well, there's a, a found footage one, which is comfortable to look at. And then there's like a newspaper. So the, the, the duller, the colors, the easier it is to like, not to feel like you're, Eyes are screaming at you mm -hmm. in the dark because you should play this game in the dark. It's just how it should be. Um, you are an occult investigator in uh, 1980 something Japan. And you generally hear about strange goings on uh, or, uh, in the local area and you have a choice of several um, different uh, sort of quests to pursue at your leisure. Uh, however, all of these are, or I guess you have a time limit that's predicated on this sort of chaos percentage and the, the higher that gets, the closer it is to your inevitable demise because it is inevitable uh, they are there are old gods um awakening from their various slumbers and the the game itself randomizes which particular god will cause your demise um, nice. at the beginning of each session and you're you're kind of informed via small cutscene what your fate may in fact entail still left to a little bit of mystery but uh, you have a kind of idea and uh, your, your actions during the game, um, just something as simple as, say, resting to recover health, um, will add to the chaos percentage just because you're eating up time. Uh, then right. finding various uh, horrible eldritch monstrosities or weird cults um, can uh, raise or lower that chaos percentage by some degree. Uh, I made it through, I played the, there's a, there's a demo I did not play, but there is a, um, sort of a trial, I don't know what to call it. It's just a tutorial, tutorial okay. um, level. And it, it takes you through the entirety of uh, one investigation, one simple specific investigation. And, um, when you finish that, it, it just puts you back to the main, um, menu and then you're free to pick one of the others like i believe it's a customizable one where you can kind of modify your own adventure i don't okay think that that's all working just yet i know that there's mm -hmm. some functions that will be implemented they're just this is um i should say this is an early access version this came out february 20th of 2020 so just a few days ago everyone's been waiting for it and um it's it being early access it's not the full 
release of the game, but it's right. I uh, I don't know, not 95% there. So it's the game itself is fully playable. You're just um the things that you can modify and customize are th- those are turned off at the at the moment, or at least okay. the the bits that I kind of hovered over. I, I wasn't interested in that as much. I really just wanted to give the game a go and see see how it turned out. It is suitably horrifying. There are, um, I don't know. It's not nothing. It's the horror is not. It's in the concept, yes. not not okay. in like the execution. Well, mm-hmm. I personally wasn't finding anything like horrifying to look at, um, mm. probably because it's an older, older uh, art style. Um, but just thinking of this or kind of maybe playing it out internally uh, makes it a little bit more, more uh, effective. Um, right. Thinking and of these as like little short stories would be, would be a better idea. And that's not to say that the game doesn't look good. It has a very specific aesthetic that it is um, fully committed to. Uh, and, and I really appreciate. Yeah, no, it's all very well done. Uh, were you to see this like debuted, I think in the generation of games that it's mimicking, then yes, it probably would have been quite a bit more frightening just, just by virtue of, encountering this kind of media for so long it's i'm unfortunately desensitized to some of it but um, right but it, it's still it's no less like entertaining or effective and it's very um the homage to Junji Ito is not on its shoulder it is it is all of it mm-hmm. uh, there's also poe love it's very fitting because this is very uh legati tangent in in yes. all of it and all of its its um parcel um by virtue of you have a time limit everything will end badly that is just par for the course um, mm-hmm. it makes the game um it's definitely adds a lot of tension because you're trying to get to the end of these investigations however there's a an element of randomness thrown in um I guess an example of this would be you the, the main gameplay mechanic is you're in a, the like a city and mm-hmm. there are a forest, a village, a school. There's like specific places you can explore that that tie together to whatever the current investigation you're doing. So you're not going to be visiting all of those places per uh investigation, just some of them like ones specifically tied to a school. Or right. might say, oh, you needed to get a um, a clue from a village newspaper or something. So you're you're kind of traipsing around a little bit, but it's contained generally to like two or three locations, as far as I can mm-hmm. tell. Um, but when you go to those locations, your your general your general action is to like click and investigate area, and you're just going to be pressing that and uncovering horrible like slowly horrible things but it feels like it's a random number generation in the background uh as to when something's going to pop up i mean there may be some other i'm sure there's some other thing that's like determining that i don't know what it is i can't see uh that like in effect Mm -hmm. it's, it's behind the scenes so 
in, I guess, one, I guess, example would be I had to explore a village. It's telling me that's my directive. So I'm just continually clicking explore the village and just watching my, like, chaos meter build <laughs> because it wasn't picking up whatever the clue was supposed to be. Yeah, I see. For, for like far too long. And then like by that time, like, well, I, there's only so much time you have left. And, uh, you're, you're not locked into like one investigation per build of chaos meter. It's like you can infinitely, uh, until all four or so investigations are done, you have, you have that chance to do more of them. Uh, right. Until the chaos meter like fully builds and then you just end. So. There's a, it's sort of a, it's a time limit, but it's a weirdly like artificial one because you have some control over being able to kind of reduce that in some occasions. And then all the, on the other side, more of what you do is going to negatively, negatively increase that, or I guess positively increase that number to a hundred percent. I see. And some actions, of course, adding more to that than others. You do have some choice in, um, say you, you encounter something, and you're given a lot of like, you can do this or you can do that. And then if you have specific skills, you're able to do some other thing because you pick up traits as you go along, uh, both okay. po positive and negative. Um, you pick up uh, status, you incur like st status effects and mm -hmm. curses. And, um, I had, it, it wasn't specifically the in's mouth look. It was some sort of like, Insmut. <laughs> so they just <laughs> put, they just kind of slightly hand waved what that was. But you, yeah, I got funky gills one time. Um, that's n was not an asset. <laughs> it's just <laughs> a bad thing. Um, frostbite, poison. You just pick up random stuff, and there's a whole, whole whole host of things like that. Uh, the battle system itself. I guess I'll talk about that a bit. Is um, it's a very strict. Mm -hmm. Mostly straightforward, um, turn-based affair where you have a, you'll, you'll fight some sort of enemy and you have your turn, they have theirs. Uh, they cannot interrupt your, so it's, it's, you have your leisure of just sitting there and it's not a time limit. You can take your time mm -hmm. and pick your actions, but, um, everything you do is like a sort of a stamina meter. And everything okay. takes a certain amount of time. And so you have an, uh, like 100 points to fill up and then if you, if you block it's so many points if you attack it's so many and then there's various other support or uh, defense there's other actions that aren't um they're a whole menu tab unto their own so so in particular say support um could be uh healing yourself uh, or finding some sort of prayer to like slow down things or give yourself a clue um you can pray and then uh, hope that it gives you um, an idea of what a weakness might be for that monster, but that's still going to eat up part of your turn. Right. Okay. Um, you can get um, support characters to kind of help you and they can, uh, they can distract the, the thing that you're fighting or they can attack it. There's other options that they have too. Um, I, I believe on the, the one playthrough I was doing, I, accidentally acquired two cultist members that were following me because I told them that I was a follower of whatever their weird God was. And they're just like, Oh, Hey, thanks. Let's go to the cult festival. And so I just had them tagging along with me for a while until they accidentally died because I told them to fight monsters. <laughs> 
So there's so a lot. You, there's a lot you can you solve, do. Yeah, you solve two problems, Dave. You solve yeah. two problems. <laughs> I did right, right there. So uh, there, uh, there's some, 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 some uh, creative gameplay to be had, uh, especially with all of these different systems rubbing up against one another. Um, I, I, the combat sounds uh, fairly interesting. I've actually seen. Uh, uh, absolutely none of it i don't expect it to be um uh, graphically uh, astounding but uh the fact that it it does seem to play like a turn-based rpg is very intriguing yeah and we'll we'll talk about it a little bit more next time this was just a basic overview and i because of its limited content at this time i just really didn't want to spoil it's like it's best I could spoiler free more of an interest building thing to let people know that hey there's a thing that's cool um yes. and it's out now and you can play it for, yes for roughly 15 US dollars oh that's actually really really good it's a very reasonable was, price yes i was also unaware of how much in the game ultimately ended ended up costing as well so it's good to know that it is a a relatively inexpensive game um that i once again have been really really looking forward to playing um but that's that's not the end of our game coverage because on on the leonard and dave weeks we talk about video games dave you have a second game yes this is hunt showdown so it is a um ostensibly a team-based uh first-person shooter okay where you join other hunters to take down specific monster threats in a well i guess it's the bayou okay some eldritch version of the bayou you're potentially in like an other world, Louisiana. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it didn't, it did it's, it's light on, um, that portion of the story content. It is similar to, um, I believe it's the Dead by Daylight series or not something like series, but, uh, game where, uh, the, the monsters you hunt as well as the, the hunters you, you choose to pick from have, um, backstories. So, okay. You don't see them like in game, but you, when you're in the lobby menus, um, queuing up for, for the, the, the hunt you're going to do, you can look at, uh, like little, little, um, snippets of, of their stories. There are, um, you can play the game solo, which I tried to do. Uh, that's probably more testament to my poor skills at this sort of game than, than I think it, it being a thing you can successfully do. I'm just not very great at these. Uh, so I died very fast, but, um, <laughs> you, you can play this solo if that's what you want to do, uh, what that ends up sort of doing. And I guess, um, how, how the game works is you, you're dropped into, uh, the, the game map is a series of like little maps kind of joined together with, with okay. no, um, there's no loading. They're just, there's just inner, there's just some, uh, there's no boundary line between them except on the map you can pull up. Okay. Uh, I guess in, so 
there part is might be part of it's a swamp and then it kind of like transitions into a farm slaughterhouse and then there's a church nearby or a, okay a, so there's a, a butcher there's like zones yes but there's no nothing delineating them until you like you just cross it yeah it's all loaded up together mm-hmm. um okay but when you pop in you don't know because it's randomized like cobbled together areas mm-hmm. um from what it looks like those those levels are they're just kind of puzzle pieces that are plopped together to to suit whatever thing you're hunting okay so a tile set so yes a, uh, yeah essentially okay that's interesting like a randomly generated tile set from a a bunch of different uh map assets all stitched together into one contiguous map yes and um so when you when you pop in you only have like your immediate tile um viewable on the map everything else is like blanked out and what you yes and so what you do is you have a um it's not my vision it's a vision ability uh, okay that like lets you see into the spirit world um basically it just changes the screen to like completely dark aside (laughs) from what's in your immediate like a few feet around you Mm -hmm. Uh, but um points of interest will be like sparkling in the distance so you can you can see where you're supposed to go in that using that mode of vision uh, because of other effects later, that also lets you see like rival hunters. Like, there's a couple benefits it has. Uh, even though it, like kind of makes you blind when you, when you mm-hmm. activate it. But um, what 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 your aim is to do? Uh, there's I believe four uh clues throughout the different maps, and you once you find three of them, it triangulates the thing you're hunting. Okay. And so you're just going through, and it uh, as you pick um, each hunt clue, it'll block out um, area other areas of the map, so you know you don't need to go to them. So you're okay. just basically narrowing down where you need to actually go because the maps are they're fairly large. Um, you'll you'll get the clues, and then it'll it'll pop up like you're hunting. I guess the first the tutorial levels is that the spider is the um the monster and it's it's very large it's a very large very poisonous thing and it lives in like a barn in the in the instance that I was encountering it um as you're going through the level it's not you're not just hunting the one thing there's um different sort of variety of uh the locals have all been kind of zombified um, okay so it's a lot of zombies um there's different versions of them. Don't really. There's never need to spoil that. There's not. They're not just regular like shambling dead. There's like other kinds. So it's a little left for dead feel where there's okay. diff- different sort different types of enemies. There's hellhounds. There's other weird things that are like shambling poisonous beehives. There's all they they <laughs> they picked a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on, and the game itself looks like it's going to just expand and add in mm-hmm. because because right now there's I believe three main things you hunt, which is not that many. You're basically just there's a spider and a sort of assassin thing. Um, I don't recall what the third one was because I didn't. See. Oh, it's a the butcher. It's ah, a, it's a large man in a pig a pig skin mask. Um, and uh, you'll hunt them but it's not always 
by themselves. There may be like two of them or more, um, depending on the thing. So you, your mission may be to also hunt the spider and go hunt the, the butcher. So it's kind of like monster, like monster hunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just not getting them for parts. But, um, the, the, the team play aspect comes into, so say it's, you can you do up to teams of three and there'll be an opposing team. And I think it's AI, um, of rival hunters that come through and try to, um, they're hunting the, the, not only you, but I think also the, um, whatever the target is. So you have okay. a sort of built in time limit of them getting to the target first potentially killing it sometimes they don't and then you'll see their bodies and you can like scavenge new equipment um one other interesting facet is it's a permadeath situation so you have your hunter that you're leveling up but if they die they're gone i think you lose their equipment too and you have to just have a new one but um the the game itself allows you to have i think up to four hunters queued up like in slots and you can choose to like level them up independently um there's also a few other game modes I haven't tried yet that, that unlock um, specific like powered up hunters. And then there's the DLC content, which gives you like legendary hunters. And those ones are the ones that have the backstories. Um, Oh, okay. Those are the important characters. Those are the important named ones. Oh, well, Mm -hmm. you guys have names too, but it's not, not quite the same. Um, I played a bit, uh, mostly by myself. Then I try, I tried to do the, the team based one. That was just kind of a failure because I was still learning the ins and outs of the game. And I just ended up being like a a handicap for the other person. I died really fast. So Ah. you only have a limited amount of like resurrections. I think it's like two. So that didn't, didn't, didn't go so well. Um, You're able to do like a spectator cam. So I I benefited a little bit just from watching um, the other person successfully finish the hunt and figured out a little bit more of what I should have been doing versus what I was trying to do. Uh, there's other mechanics in the game. You get different kind of traits that you um, randomly unlock. Uh, and they're, the art for those traits is all like really, really good. Um, there it's sort of like little uh, wood, wood, uh, wood carving. Oh, okay. Like, Cut like block, yeah, like block print um, mm-hmm. images. And there's one, I believe it's like, um, uh, it's something like thick skin. There's another word for it in the game, but uh, it's a man that's like half turtle. It's very, dis- <laughs> nice. it's very disturbing. Like it's not a cartoony look. Right. Um, it's so, not a pl- a pleasant version. No. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like the the pack pack mule that you carry more stuff, but it's a half human half horse hybrid with like lots of baggage on them. So it's very like the aesthetic is very specific on this game. Uh, mm-hmm. The monster designs are all pretty good, but it's it's definitely um, a horror themed game in in like all all senses of the word. Very um, this this one is not Lovecrafting. It's uh, it would be uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre if there's like monsters in it instead mm-hmm. of just Leatherface. So it's right. kind of like that. So it's oh, um, or a- like a mix of like giant, like giant monster movies from the fifties. Like that's what I think of when I hear a giant spider. Yeah. It's like that. If they were like actually spooky, (laughs) like the kind of like the thing, if you just somehow mix those together, the thing in um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is, I mean, it sounds really good. 
It, it, <laughs> on on paper, this like sounds really good, and it it's pretty effective. I don't know. I think in the long the long term, once this starts kicking off and, and expanding somewhere, I didn't look at the roadmap, but I, it feels like there would be adding in a lot of other stuff. So right. Um, it's it's very uh, reminiscent of also like I said the the, the Dead by Daylight that might be mm-hmm. the right, I think it's the right game and uh, the Friday the Thirteenth sort of team based just a reverse of instead of the camp counselors and you're being chased by Jason you're you're just trying to go hunt the monster and then it's it's not a um, defenseless thing they're very powerful right um and the monsters are uh the yeah the monsters are AI controlled yes. 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 Okay. So I don't, so and I, I'm a, pretty sure the other hunters are as well. I don't know. I didn't see anything where it's like lets you pick to be a rival hunter. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's Sorry. not a it's not a uh, uh, an asymmetrical uh, team based game like uh, Dead by Daylight or Friday. No, I don't. I don't think so. I'd have to put a little bit more. Time. I played for about an hour, or so I'd have to put some more time in to see um, how else that works. But I feel that that's what it's doing. All right. That sounds interesting. I like the idea of a very large, uh, randomly generated map um, full of uh, spooky, spooky assets it, and monsters. Um, it also, like, say the, the, it's not the relic, different movie, um, the ritual. Mm-hmm. It's like that. Okay. Um, and the, the relic is like also a good movie. <laughs> the relic is also a good movie, but I was thinking the ritual um, is the one I was specifically thinking of. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, I would say this is one worth um, looking into if if one enjoys sort of these the, the team based aspects. Not as much my jam as why I liked that there was a solo mode until I realized it was crap at it. So <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll continue to try to play and level, like really just need to level up to have access to the better um, equipment and weapons and everything. Right. But, um, yeah. Just the creature design. I was sold um, on, on that alone. Well, that sounds interesting. And what was the game one last time? It is hunt uh, showdown. So hunt, hunt showdown and then Steam? hunt or orange. It, it um I believe so. It's on PC. Yes, it's on Steam. Uh, it's actually cheaper on Steam. I think it's on sale right now. Um, but it is only thirty thirty six dollars on PS4. I picked it up on the PlayStation. Okay, so well, um, on console consoles as well. All right, well, that. Uh, that's that's been our monster <laughs> monster tier monster gaming corner um no i'm actually really glad that there are a a, a lot of uh, of good horror themed games uh out uh and available yeah. uh, there are always horror themed games available on steam but it's it's nice to it's nice to see that uh that bleeding over a little bit onto consoles and of course as as everybody is aware, one final bit of game news, uh, well, not news, but um, of course, Resident Evil 3 remake uh, happens later this year, and I'm looking forward to that. I never actually played uh, the original, um, 
I don't know why, but I am. Uh, this is going to be a year of me pl- uh, playing remakes of games that I've never played the original to, because I will also be playing uh, Final Fantasy VII for the first time. I know, I know, I am, in fact, a heathen for that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I might pick. I I skipped. Um, well, both Resident Evil Seven and Two remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm more interested in in this one coming up just because I was familiar with Nemesis and uh, I, I played the first Resident Evil on PlayStation, and I remember watching specifically some of my buddies play um, Nemesis uh, mm-hmm. back in this was back when it came out so this was many years ago um and it it looked i liked what it was doing so um i'll probably pick this one up we'll see there's a lot of things coming out and of course uh yeah, directly will be will be neo 2 because that's just <laughs> what's gonna happen um, yes but yes will there's there's a whole host of stuff on steam and on um uh, even on switch uh, and on the other consoles that uh, probably bear mentioning and at least in passing. So we will make this a little bit more of a regular thing because uh, Leonard's news corner fizzled out. So we'll just do this horror video games corner instead. Yeah, there was no news there. The the news has not been good. <laughs> the news. I I have not, I have not deigned the news, any news <laughs> really. <laughs> suitable for the podcast it's fine we found some spooky games so we'll we'll talk a little bit about those um moving forward probably in a shorter segment than we just did but um that yes this will be part and parcel of uh what we do a little bit on a little bit more regular basis so well i'm not the host this episode nope uh, and with that, uh, it is time to move on to the uncomfortable world of Thomas Lodotti. Um, I, I like to imagine that there's a, a children's book called The Uncomfortable World of Thomas Lodotti, and it's a, it's a, it's like a Thomas the Tank uh, cover, but with Thomas Lodotti's face on the front of the engine. Yeah, that, that feels. That feels in keep. That feels appropriate. Somehow. <laughs> yep. Uh, and so we are uh, kicking off our uh, examination of three, the next three stories in uh, which section is this? Is this Songs for the Dead? Are we in Songs for the Dead? Um, yes. Dreams. Okay. Dreams for the Dead, but yes. There we go. Uh, and and with that, we are uh, first story is the music of the moon. Uh, uh, it is a story of so all of these stories. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. The, I I really like the. Uh, I realize that there is an in fact like a a common thread framing device around all of these stories, which is that they they seemingly are all stories about uh in insomniacs um uh there's a, a very uh specific emphasis uh placed on the fact that 
uh, all of these characters have trouble sleeping and that their meanderings during the night lead them into bizarre, uh, possibly supernatural situations that uh, ultimately seem to serve the same function as dreaming because they are uh, so bizarre and and only uh, occur once uh, that that they they uh, are posited to uh, fulfill the same requirement that one would uh, get from a dream. And the uh, music of the moon concerns an insomniac named uh, Tresor. Yes, our good friend Mon Tresor. No, just Tresor. <laughs> uh, as he. Uh, relates a story to uh the unnamed narrator uh i i do like <laughs> i do like that that the narrator uh doesn't have a name uh so so he might Tressor might as well be relating it directly to us but there is a, a third party involved um yes and and what is uh what is Tressor's tale dave cuz I I like this one as a start because it the uh it feels like the most um ex- it feels like uh, uh it feels like a very adult goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could I could kind of see that. Uh this one is a st- well, we kind of covered that. It's a man who uh has insomnia, wanders the city at night um looking for uh Frights, things to uh, while away the hours that are um, out of the ordinary. He's not. He's not one to um, just engage in uh, n- parties that people are throwing just because they choose to be awake. Which I, I think that's one of the great lines here. Is actually from the beginning. There are night spots, of course, where one may pass the hours until daybreak, but their entertainment soon grows stale for the perpetually sleepless who, in any event, have no use for a crowd that is wide awake by choice. <laughs> so they're just like angry at people that like decided to stay up. When yeah. they themselves are forced to this, um, this thing, and I, I can understand that. Y- um, yeah. <laughs> and he, uh, it, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's not just Montressor. It's our, or I'm sorry, Tressor. <laughs> it's also our narrator who seems to probably also have, um, insomnia mm-hmm. because he's, he's, um, in agreement with Tressor's general activities and there's sort of a disdain toward uh the regular sleepable populace um on on count of really it's less on count of tresser and more on count of our narrator yeah yes that we're, um, that we're sort of getting that um sort of vindictiveness um yeah and that's actually a really good point and something that i i hadn't uh really picked up uh, upon um reading this that oh yeah maybe maybe that is why the narrator is is included as as this um as this secondary opinion on on the the goings on in the the night culture uh in this story because uh Tressor's just relating his story, but the narrator adds all the jabs at the normal waken folk. 
Yes, he's um, and he's not even holding as much truck with his his friend's tails. Um, he at least in the initial telling of them, he's not. Uh, he still thinks them as more like fancies. He's like this. Guy, I mean, he's clearly entertaining himself somehow, but it's it seems to be more flights of uh, imagination um, mm-hmm. rather than something that may have uh, actually occurred. And what Tresser in his wanderings through the city has come upon is a, a figure outside of an otherwise un- unnotable building, which has which does have the one feature of having strange um, half. Uh, half semicircle uh, pie sliced windows, um, and this this figure hands him a pamphlet. Yes, a pamphlet to a, a concert, one of you know, in, in, in basically in an abandoned building. So it's a a, a live, as the mm-hmm. as the kids say. <laughs> and uh, Tresser kind of plays this off. He feels a little bit weird about it. Um, he's not just inclined to go see things just because it could potentially be entertaining. That's not like what he's seeking. This could be too regular. Aside from the fact that the paper that um, the flyer is printed on feels like weirdly oily and greasy. And yeah. It's kind of not great. So he just chucks it. Um, <laughs> and in my favorite favorite unexpected thing to happen in the story i like that he chucks it and somebody rushes by him and snatches it out of the air before it can hit the ground i um i i don't know why that is that is an incredibly disquieting uh um image to me of somebody uh, discarding some refuse and having somebody just run past them and grab it before it touches the ground but uh, and then disappear into a crowd but it's it's like oh look how important this odd unpleasant piece of paper is that somebody must collect it should one destroy it Yeah, and he's um, Trester is like a little bit put off by not only the 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 pamphlet, but the the gentleman who who handed it to him. So it, it here's the the bit: it's, it did have a strange texture, like ashes mixed with grease. Um, and yes, yeah, so he, he discarded it, and it was uh, still in the corner of his or in, in, in the um, in his thoughts. So he's yes. bored, and he's like, "Well, I'll just go, I'll just go check it out. Maybe I'll just give it a, a little peek." And, um, we get this wonderful, uh, and all, all of these three, three tales kind of play, well, the first tale and I think the last play with this a little bit more where mm-hmm. the, the town is very silent hill adjacent. Yes. Or, or vice versa, I suppose would be the, the better case. But, um, the, the ramshackle kind of building that he ex- ends up exploring is just, uh, it's very dark. It's just shapes. He's navigating a lot of it by um, touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and as he, he's going, he's ascending the building. So each floor doesn't have what he's looking for until he stumbles upon one particular room that does, um, it is a little bit lit up. So he, he goes in and 
gives it a gander. Much to his um, dismay, as a matter of fact. Yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, doo -doo -doo. Uh, uh, when uh, This is an excerpt from when Tressor enters uh, the room of interest. Then he saw something by the far wall which made him withdraw back into the hallway. What he had glimpsed were four strangely contorted figures, the tallest of which was nearly his height, while the smallest was half his size. Once out, <laughs> once out in the hallway, though, he found these images had become clearer in his mind. He now felt almost sure of their true nature, though I have to confess I could not imagine what they might have been up until um, been until he spoke the key word cases um yes they're instrument cases that are wrapped up in strange cloth and kind of look like bodies which i can see considering the uh, the general shape of certain instrument cases um and and he uh he decides to uh, open the cases when he is then actually accosted by, uh, uh, assailed by strange voices from behind him. Yes, four four figures, and they are, uh, well, they're rather rather ordinary looking. So mm -hmm. Three men and a woman. Uh, however, their shadows um, disturbed him quite a bit. Uh, Prior to that, he, he here's the excerpt, he counted four shadows on the wall, three of them tall and trim, and the fourth, somewhat smaller, but with an enormous misshapen head, which ended up being a, a woman with uh, clouds of raggedy clouds of hair. Yes. And uh, they they inform him he's in the wrong room. Uh, what he's looking for is uh, at, the, at the top floor, and you cannot access it by normal staircase. There is a, a secondary staircase um, hidden to the back of one of the halls, and they uh, have this bit here. They all smiled gently at him, and the tall man said, Then you're in the wrong place. You should be one floor up. But the main stairway won't take you to it. There's another smaller flight of stairs in the back hallway. You should be able to see it. Are your eyes good? Yes, he replied. Good as they look? Asked another of the men. I can see very well if that's what you mean. Yes, that's exactly what we mean, said the woman. And that's not disconcerting in the slightest. <laughs> it's always, it's always my, I, I love it, even in good writing, which is the, the, the statements that are the biggest red flags um, ever that are spoken by characters and then the, the the main character inevitably just retreats into well it, it seemed a little weird but yeah i decided to go up the weird extra staircase that only leads to the fourth floor and oh it, it wasn't it wasn't odd at all that my voice is echoing in this room and when they spoke there was no echo yeah, that's also another it's, thing. It's um, fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's also another thing of of to, especially to the point that Tressor is is disconcerted every time he speaks while during this conversation and doesn't realize what the 
what's bothering him about it until the conversation is over. Yeah. And I think that that's a point of also these good horror where um, in the moment you're not objective enough to like get what's the problem. And then this is, this is a part and parcel of when you're watching um, like a film and Mm -hmm. you, you end up being irate at the protagonist because they're not genre savvy in their own genre and doing stupid things. Uh, This is kind of why Mm -hmm. they just don't have that presence of, but they're not privy to everything else that the viewer is seeing, which makes sense logically. But you know, when you're, when you're consuming this content, uh, they're not as free as you are. Right. No. And they are, of course, um, bound to their own, this is pertinent, bound to their own fates, um, because they are written to be so. Yes. Um, so Tresher decides to go, uh, up the stairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, it's, it's, he gets, I think, he deserves quite a bit of credit and he, yes, he does. <laughs> he does his best. He tries yeah. really hard. Yeah. I think out of, out of all of the protagonists question mark of, of these stories, he probably uh, uses the most sense in the middle of the uh, bad situation. Um, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um. And 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 what is that bad situation, Dave? Because it ends up being pretty bad. Yeah. So he finds the room. It's pretty much completely dark. Uh, he sees, um, chairs set out for uh the audience of a concert, and they are they are um occupied by people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and something's just throwing him off. He's just not not set to go in um to this little little room and there's there's a bit of a passage here if the inability to sleep sometimes leads a sufferer into strange or perilous consolations tresser still retained enough of a daylight way of thought to make a compromise i like that line um yeah he's he's not so caught up in his ennui to just like go sit in the concert thing that everything already seems like bad idea mm-hmm. and uh he should have he should have just left would would have been the the way out like the saving thing um but you know he's already here he's made his way up there's a concert going on well maybe i'll just kind of see how this pans out and i'll just it's very dark um he used his good eyes to to find the place. Um, yes, e- even mostly by touch, as I mentioned, he, he, his eyes were good, but not fully good enough. Um, so he lingers out in the hallway, and it's dark enough that the the four musicians pass him by um, on their way into the room to do the concert uh, to and not not see him there. And the door is closed, but he can hear um, the beginnings of the concert as it as it starts. Yes. And uh, what what a concert it is. 
Yes, uh, I uh, would like to read this, this excerpt. At first, there was only a single note wavering in, the, in a universe of darkness, compelling those who heard it to an understanding of its subtle voice. This lone note carried an abundance of distinct overtones, and a few beats later, a second note produced the same effect. Then another note, and another, and another each of them mingling to create an incalculable proliferation of slightly dissonant harmonies. There was now more music than could possibly be contained by that earlier silence. Expansive as it may, <clears throat> expansive as it may have seemed, soon there was no space remaining for silence, or perhaps music and silence had become... Mm, Music and silence became confused, indistinguishable from each other, as colors may merge into white. It's too much music, Dave. There's too much. You can't. It can't even be contained. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there, there, there is so much music that music. <laughs> yes. But uh, what what this results in is uh, Tresser, he just passes out. Yep. He wakes he to find himself gets... in the morning, and the, uh, the door is still closed. And he just kind of doesn't know what to do, uh, opens the door, and finds all of the concert go. They're still, they're still in there. Um, possibly rousing from their slumber as well. So he goes <clears> to <throat> to take a peek, uh, and and notices that they seem to be covered in in in, in robes or 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 sheets, and and ultimately discovers that they are uh, in fact uh, covered in webs, thick layers of webs that covered everyone's body. Um, and uh, they are all seated facing uh, the now emptied chairs of the musician, and uh, Tresser makes his secondary, uh, more horrifying discovery. Uh, they have all had their eyes removed. Yes, their their bodies were covered in the webbing except for their faces. Yes. And their faces were frozen in... Uh, ecstatic expressions which would have been, have been more ecstatic had they still had their eyes yes um uh but but uh surprisingly enough uh tresser in fact finds a uh, a living person uh who has no interest of uh, in being released and uh uh refuses uh his his offer of help uh and instead wishes to wait for the musicians to come back uh and 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 this this individual uh tells them that when the moon turns the musician will return and at that uh tresser takes his leave of the premises the the narrator chimes in here a little bit um because he's making some suppositions which are uh, 
equally horrifying. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is appalled by this enigma. Tresser began to back away. This is after the, the, um, the moon music reference. And I suspect that from within a number of those hollow sockets, four of them to be exact, the tiny eyes of strange creatures were watching him as he fled that horrible room. Yep. That's even more disturbing. Yep. Weird spidery things that use bodies as puppets to go feast. You know what? It's the, um, (laughs) it's the, that eye snatcher, um, from the dark crystal. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The peeper, peeper beetle. Mm hmm. Yep, Peeper Beetle, we got some we got a little bit of Peeper Beetle, we got a little bit of Pennywise, we got some Poe, and I slap them all together. And look what you've created. <laughs> the the tale kind of wraps up. Um we find that Tresser uh did not escape unscathed. He's obsessed with this music now, the strains that he had heard in his in his delirium. And the more he talks about it, the more excited he becomes until his own voice is sort of drowned out by the music that he's dreaming of in his head. And mm. he uh, he continues to visit his friend until one day he does not. Yes. And this the, – the thought of the music and the way it's conveyed to our narrator is, is such – and there's a lingering power behind it that the narrator himself admits that um, his own his own nocturnal wanderings have started to take him a little closer and closer to a certain segment of the city where he may, in fact, try to be seeking that music of his own, even though he knows exactly the fate of those who listen to it. Yes. Um uh, who and who seemingly are 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 happy to to have that fate befall them? Yes, because the music is just that good. Love me some yep. moon music. Yep. Yeah. The moon's bad. If 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 I've learned anything from almost all of the fantasy and science fiction media that I have consumed over my life. The moon is generally bad and should not be trusted. I propose we fire cannons at the moon. (laughs) (laughs) Tides be damned. Tides be damned. (laughs) Uh, And that wraps up the music of the moon. Um, we now move on to the journal of, uh, J.P. Uh, Drap, uh, Drapu? Gerard Depardieu. Gerard Depardieu. (laughs) Uh, John Favreau. Who is this? Yes. J.P. (laughs) Depot. Yeah. Uh, I've, I think this was my least favorite of the stories. Of Mm. these three. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it was not cohesive as much as the other ones where it's, it's, it's given an introduction mm-hmm. and it is two, two friends, um, having a, a few drinks and discussing, um, writers like strange, uh, driven, I don't know, um, writers given over to, um, 
brooding anxiety and having very specific, like it's, they call it very like specific, um, qualities. Um, I'm just going to read it because it's, it's far too much to like try to like summarize, uh, the, the, the poet friends, two friends, and one of them is a poet and he's looking to find works by a specific writer who does not exist. Yes. So, so it's an, an ideal writer. Uh, where is the writer, he began, who is unstained by any habits of the human, who is the ideal of everything alien to living, and whose eccentricity in its darkest phase turns in on itself to form increasingly more complex patterns of strangeness? Where is the writer who has lived out his entire life in a prodigious dream that began on the day of his birth, if not long before? Where is the writer from some molding backwater of the earth, the city of Bruges itself, that withered place in which some dreamer has described as a corpse of the Middle Ages that sings to itself from innumerable bell towers and lays bony bridges across the black veins of its old canal? But perhaps our writer's home would have been even older, more dec decaying Bruges in some farther more obscure Flanders, the one envisioned by Bruegel and Enzer. Where is the writer who has begotten by two passionate masks in the course of those macabre festivities called Kermis, who has abandoned to develop his own way, left to lonely evolution in shadowed streets besides sluggish canals and it, it goes on for actually quite a yes. bit so yes. um he is looking for a very specific writer and yes. uh his, his friend of course uh entreats him that there is no such writer but there's always chapeau out of anyone i could name he most nearly meets if i may see those rather severe prerequisites of yours living the whole of his life in bruges keeping those notebooks of his and he but my friend, the poet, only moaned in despair. Drapeau, always Drapeau with you. <laughs> yes, uh, I I like that that his 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 very specific list of of requirements is also um, one of the best diss tracks I've heard all year. <laughs> And of course, Holy brings to mind the film in Bruges. Yes, yes, exactly. But that's all I could think about. <laughs> I like that film, um, but there's yes. no monsters in it, so we'll we'll let it be aside from the monster of man. Yes. Um, and this is where we shift over in uh, to perspective. Uh, we crash into a brick wall. A perspective and immediately shift over to excerpts from the uh, Drapo's diary. Um, yes, they're, they're months in um, in excerpt, so it's they're not in they're in sequence, but not well. We guess they're in sequence, but they're months in between. It's just single entries. Um, each of them, it's very small, a paragraph maybe. Uh, and all exceedingly like wrong. Yes, very <laughs> just, bizarre. This this Drapeau may have that mere mention of sending sending the the poet into paroxysms. Um, Drapeau is he's obsessed with the music of graveyards, uh, um, something that he's uh, not understanding while everyone else can't hear it. Yep. 
Is, is, is the circulation of upright society so poor that it cannot carry these dead notes? It must be a mere trickle. Yeah, this guy's yes. this guy's great. He's also <laughs> very full of himself. He's super um, full of himself. Um, but yes, it's the music of the graveyard that he hears everywhere, uh, and and seemingly no one else. Uh, uh, and that's April thirty first. Um, his entry from um, the from Christmas Eve is, mm-hmm. is actually is actually my favorite. Um, I will uh, just <laughs> read the whole thing. It's short. Yes. <laughs> Two tiny corpses, one male and the other female, rattle around the enormous closet in my bedroom. Though deceased, still, they are quick enough to hide themselves whenever I need to enter the closet to retrieve something. I keep various odds and ends in there, stuffed into trunks or baskets and piled all over the place. I can't even see the floor or the or the walls any longer. And Only if I hold a light high over my head can I study the layers of cobwebs floating about near the ceiling. After I close the door of the closet, its two miniature inhabitants resume their activities. Their voices are only faint squeaks, which during the day hardly bother me at all. But sometimes I am kept awake far into the night by those interminable conversations. Each of these entries reads like a Tales from the Dark Side, like little vignette. Yes. Um, I, I, I really like, I like that. (laughs) I like it of, of a very specifically male and female, um, tiny corpses, and it seems like they have a a an argument an argument about their relationship all the time. Um, it's I I really like the image of of two two ghouls in a closet having marital spats while they annoy a living person. Yes, and then flee <laughs> flee um from regular sight. Yes, the, the next entry. Uh, it is in May, May 31st, is a, is about his encounter with a man being dragged off to an asylum. There's, there's nothing very significant about it aside from the, uh, the, 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 the lunatic, um, breaking free of his bonds and running over to, um, to our drapeau and telling him to never, never speak out, never say a word about the things you know, um, or they'll have us all, and then he's being he's, he's carted off. There's a dragged away. Yes, and there's a great. I, I did highlight this bit as they dragged him off. He began laughing just as before, and the peals of his laughter in the early morning quiet were soon devoured by the pealing of church bells. It was at that moment I decided to heed the old man's warning and disguise certain perceptions of perceptions of mine in the language of whimsy. Yep. Then are yeah, I think yep. the next like the most probably significant entry as far as I can tell is this August first um entry, uh where he he discusses um some 
thoughts he had as a child that have carried on to his adult life um, and his view of the firmament above um, in, in, in the dark of night. Um, yes. Sort of result in this. It was those stars. I knew that now certain of them had been promised specific parts of my body in the darkest hours of the night. When one is usually unusually sensitive to such things, I could, and still can, though just barely, feel the force of these stars tugging away at various points, eager for the moment of my death, with, when each of them might carry off that part of me which is theirs by right. <laughs> That's probably my favorite passage in this whole, this whole, all, all of these diary entries, this idea that your fate is such that bits of you were promised by demons to stars yes. as like <laughs> sacrifices. I think. Uh huh. Listen, those, those stars need to keep shining somehow. Yep. They need them for their, their furnace. <laughs> the fuel you, you are, but fuel for the stars instead of uh made of star stuff. It's the reverse. <laughs> stars are made I, of you. I, I know. I, I, I want to I want to make a bet that there is in fact a some science fiction series out there uh uh named Star Furnace. I want to thoroughly believe that that is a Yeah. Thing. It sounds like <laughs> Alistair Reynolds or something. <laughs> Star Furnace. There's, there's got to be. That's <laughs> Um, and, uh, his next entry is on October 9th, uh, that, which is a, a, oh, not really, uh, the, the, not a significant delay. Um, oh yes, uh, where he, he, he visits a magic show and is repulsed by the illusion uh, that he witnesses when there are uh, uh, are are actual real spectacles of of <laughs> I guess horrible horrible mutilation that one could actually partake in in the real world. Um, I I walked away from this entry being um, amused at how angry a a magic show uh, made made our our. Yes, it's um, it was it was pretty interesting because he's just he's like affronted that someone would even suggest that this is a um, an an event that uh is just the the act of pretending to be dismembered is yes uh, is is the affront. Yes, because it, it doesn't hold truck to the true reality of what happens when you die and are sacrificed to the star gods. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> yes, the star gods that want your your individual body parts that have been promised by right your individual body. Yes, and the January um, entry, January first, so it's uh, two months later. Uh, this is probably the next, um, I'm sorry, this is the November, November 1st. Ah. I skipped one. Um, probably the more significant entry aside from the star, the star promises. Um, this one is his offense at, um, 
how things may seem uh, otherworldly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how if there is something like beyond our own, it's, that's not a, a thing to look forward to. Right. Um, here's the, here's the entry. Uh, but is there really another world that overshadows ours? Who can say? And why should we care? We might just as truly claim that worlds which seem resistant to our sensory detection are but parasites of the only mystery there is, our own lives. That we benefit by our unknowingness is not an uncommon idea, but it is also not a welcome notion to those who would believe our destiny to be presided over by invisible powers. This is the suspicion we must never attempt to verify, that the whole of creation might best be pictured as an un untenanted room filled with the echoes of nothingness. Why should this condition, this intimation of the unreal, be insufficient for our spiritual requirements? Yep. Hey, if you can't see it, if you can't perceive it, it's probably better for you that you can't perceive it. <laughs> yeah, than to be proven true. Yes, exactly. Because if there's something that's this fate or this destiny or these gods that are controlling everything, you don't want to, like, be proven correct in that assumption. Right, because it's yes. probably bad if that's the case. Right, it, that that knowledge could only bring uh, misery and despair, because just because you know that that this is what's going on doesn't mean that you have any power to change it. Yeah, I mean that you do not <laughs> when <laughs> when it's this particular circumstance. Yes. Um, yep. Uh, there's a little bit of from beyond <laughs> for for you. Uh, mm -hmm. in, in that entry in particular, do, do not open that pineal gland. Nope. <laughs> well, bleh. <laughs> I, mm, bleh. Everyone, everyone loves asparagus head. Oh, gee. The, uh, yes, yes. David Lynch's, uh, unreleased earlier film before <laughs> he settled on a razor head. Yes. Asparagus head. And yeah, then, the the January first entry is not as significant. The March thirtieth one, I think, however, is more so. Yes. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Our uh, our buddy um, spends a lot of time staring at his uh, staring at his reflection in the mirror, and uh, and comes to the realization that there's. No, there's something hiding under my face, uh, uh, in my my reflection, and I don't care for it. I don't uh, like that it looks back at me. Nope. <laughs> um, and I, uh, okay. <clears throat> after after he has that uh, awful experience, uh, he has this even more awful experience. Later, when I was out walking, I stopped dead on the street. Ahead of me, standing beneath a lamp, hanging from an old wall, was the outline of a figure, my general size and proportions. He was looking the other way, but very stiffly and very tense, as if waiting anxiously for the precise moment when he would suddenly twist about face. If that should happen, I knew what I would see. 
my eyes, my nose, my mouth. And behind those features, a being strange beyond all description. I re- <laughs> I well, retract it. Yes. <laughs> this is the proper course of action for anything yep. you ever should do. This. Yep. I retraced my steps back home and went immediately to bed. Ding, yes. ding, ding. The, the end. You're safe. Yes. I like, I really, I really like the description of, like, of, of the doppelganger, like, amping itself up for the big jump scare. It's so excited to do the thing. It's so, yeah. This is going to be so good. I'm just going to get him this time. I don't, I don't know why, but that, um. Because because it is that is a statement like to to uh, build tension, but it is also very very funny to me that like the awful awful evil mirror you is like yeah 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 oh come on when he grabs that corner when he walks up gonna turn around he won't even know he won't even know what's going on it's gonna be so good. <laughs> Yeah, and then I want to imagine that he just waited there until daybreak and just said, "Oh, oh, oh I'll get you next time." There's um, there's another really really good line. It's actually like right prior to him um, walking out in the night. It's um, when he he conceptualizing that something's behind his face. Um, he says, "Let me say that I spent considerable time reshaping my reflection into what it should be." So in his head, he's having to like calm himself down and go, it's my, you know, it's like, it's my face. It looks like this. This is what it is. There's nothing spooky behind it. Uh, he also acknowledges that, um, the, the mirror in his bedroom is one that is older than he is. It's just been there since before he could remember. And because of that, uh, it's just going to win. Like it's older than him and he can't stand up to what it's like showing him. Right. Um, and of course, uh, I actually just remembered the, the end of the entry is also pretty good, too. But I couldn't sleep. All night long, a greenish glow radiated from the mirror. In triumph. Yeah, it's like it, it, it was happy enough that it got him to, like, go back home. And yeah, it, it's it still spooked him out, um, even if it didn't get to do its uh, reveal. <laughs> I, I like I like I like the petty mirror. I like to be the evil petty mirror. <laughs> so proud of itself. I like that it's so proud of itself that it just subtly glows for the rest of the night. It's just smug. It's a smug little mirror. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 I think I do actually have to kind of disagree with you on one thing, Dave. I think it might actually be my favorite out of out of all of them because it is so consistently weird. <laughs> it's yeah, it's doing its own thing, and it it ends on a strange note way. I guess this is the most ambiguous I think of all the endings I think that we've read really yeah um 
because yes. he he's he's conflating his town with the town that he since he's a, he's a writer um, mm-hmm. that he, he's written a um, his version of the town like the one that could exist in his dreams or one that's more fanciful than the actual town um, and slowly those two things uh, they they kind of converge in a way that they're both being destroyed in the process mm-hmm. is how I'm reading it because he's he's uh, obsessed sort of with the idea of the ultimate fate of these places like they're right. everything will fall into ruin that's just the nature of things entropy is existence and uh, he understands that his own fate you know, it's not a good one. He's been promised mm-hmm. to the stars. Um, the, the, the towns, the stories, everything that he's done, um, has that likewise same just fate of it ending. You know, it's not, it's not rendered immortal just because he wrote about it. Right. Because it, because it's, it's true existence is in not the writing of it, but the essence of it being written. I think mm-hmm. is, is the way to the concept diminishes through the telling of it instead of being like reinvigorated. Yes. Something like that. It's, it's really hard to like that. That's the best I can do with this. Um, uh, we'll just read the final bit because that, that sort of sums it up. My town, my storybook, myself, how long have we held on? Or, how long we have held on. It's not a question. Um, but it seems we will have to make up for this endurance, and each, in our own turn, must disappear. Every brick of yours, every bone of mine, every word in our book, everything gone forever. Everything, perhaps, except the sound of those bells haunting an empty mist through an eternal twilight. Yeah, it's just that, it's that idea of impermanence, um, yeah. but in a horrifying, like, fashion... Um, if one's reliant on immortality uh, as a form of uh, a non-corporeal thing, like your your the the body may die, but the spirit lives on, that yes. kind of idea. Or it's not if you don't live on in spirit, you live on in some other form. You are um, you are remembered through your work, the things you've done. Right. But even those things still fall to pieces. Like yes. In the, in the end. So it's m- more morbid than just him, like, being puppeted away into the sky. Yeah. It is, yes. It's the existential horror of, it, even if you were a great, well-renowned, well-known man of your your day of your era, person of your era, uh, you uh, may be remembered in, in a few centuries, but eventually all will forget who you are. There is, it's, what is it? It's the ship of Theseus, but for, for uh, conceptual, <laughs> conceptual media, sooner or later, it all just gets replaced, and maybe uh, that, that board, that, that your work's uh, were just gets tossed to the wayside. Yeah. So I think this could be one of the more effective pieces, considering this is specifically in a written uh, form of media. Yep. 
because it doesn't be a book. It might be. <laughs> yeah, I'd, 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 I'd find it. It'd be, it'd be um, the only thing, like, if it were a film, the only thing that I could think of is that you someone would post it for maybe five years and then delete it off the internet. And even then, that's no guarantee because people just copy what I'm trying to say, Dave, is that the internet proves that the end of this story isn't true. Nothing dies on the internet, Dave. Well, I think even even that is is, is not not wholly true. There's things can become gone. Yes. So even with even with engines um, and uh, repositories like the Wayback Machine, they don't copy everything. Not everything right. is like preserved. There's dead links there's stuff that cannot be traced they're just gone and if if the only place they were um preserved in the first place because it's digital only uh once they're gone there they're just they are gone right and that's only that's a short history of things being archived Yes, yes, it is. It is a fairly, fairly short history of things being archived. But you know what will live on forever, Dave, that I just checked? The Space Jam website. Is it it's still there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> Untouched. It. Unfeathered. Fettered. Untethered and unfettered by time. The Space Jam website like a derelict flying Dutchman continues to exist in the same form that it did when it was released. That, yeah, you know what? That may be um, the most horrifying thing we've, we've uncovered today. <laughs> All right. We've got one story left. Uh, the, the, the Vestarian. There we go. The name that I can't, cannot pronounce and cannot remember how to pronounce for this entire episode. Um, I found this one to be the um, one that I bounced off the hardest of the three. <laughs> this was like my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> That's how things just roll. That's that's it's better that way. I think it is better that way. It's 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 it, perspectives are alternate perspectives are good things. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know, Dave. What what is the story about? I uh, well, I mean, we we do ultimately know what it's about. But prime me up. Try to convince me. <laughs> Of the of how good this is, I actually think it's fairly good. I just I found it hard to get into, and I that's that's the point. <laughs> I think of this like it's the embedded point, okay, um, of what's going on. So this is a, a tale of a man, a dying man, Victor Carrion. Wow. <laughs> What a yes. bad surname! What a really it's bad not, surname! That, that part I think um, was my least favorite was this dude's name, but <laughs> it's okay. It is okay. He just wants 
Silent Hill to be real, like really hard. <laughs> really, really <laughs> tough. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just uh, so. He is a man who dreams of a city, Vestarian. And his desire to get there is paramount. It's the one thing that he wants above everything else and has to, like, understand that that's what he... He doesn't know that's what he wants until he, like, understands that that's what he wants. He has to think... <clears throat> something he... It's a conclusion he reaches after a good amount of time. Um, and it is because uh, that these this sort of dreamlike city uh by its very nature of being a dream city is more desirable than um the sort of mirror image of reality that he's um, living in the, mm-hmm. the 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 dream thing that he wants looks a lot like the thing that he's already at and has attained he's in the city of his dreams uh but it is too real it doesn't have the quality of unreality that makes it desirable any longer okay that yeah oh all right okay um he here here's a bit of a description um once again he knew the depths of their foundations where an obscure life seemed to establish itself a sequestered civilization of echoes flourishing among groaning walls yet upon his probing more extensively into such interiors certain difficulties presented themselves stairways that wandered off course into useless places caged elevators that urged unwanted stops on their passengers thin ladders ascending into ma- a maze of shafts and conduits the dark valves and arteries of a petrified and monstrous organism, and he knew that every corner of this corroded world was prolific with choices, even if they had to be made blindly in a place where clear consequence and a hierarchy of possibilities were lacking, for there might be a room whose decor exuded a desolate serenity which at first attracts the visitor, who then discovers certain figures enveloped in plush furniture figures that do not move or speak but only stare and concluding that these weary mannequins have exercised a bizarre indulgence in repose a visitor must ponder the alternatives to linger or to leave and that's his his dream city there's of course 30 paragraphs of him describing (laughs) all the ins and outs and the rest of the city when we don't uh don't, yes. need, don't need to know of those. Um, however, uh, this last bit, I think, in his descriptions. Uh, their shadows were perfect columns of blackness upon the livid pavement. Their faces were a pair uh, of faded marks, masks concealing profound schemes, and they appeared to eat, have lives of their own with no awareness of their dreaming observer. He's talking about figures that are roaming the city of his dreams, who wished only to live with these specters and know their dreams, to remain in this place that owed nothing to corporeal existence. Never, it seemed, could he be forced to abandon this domain of wayward wonders. Never. So he just wants to chill in his dream. Dream world. Flying around. Peeping on the dreamers. Yep, in his weird, creepy, seemingly uncomfortable and somewhat awful sounding dream world. Yes. And he's Uh. found, he's found a book 
with the with some of the letters um, on its on its uh, binding VSRN, and there's it's entitled Viserion, but um, yes, he he it's a book he's found in a wonderfully um, obscure little uh, bookstore. Yes, my my favorite kind. Um, and, and it's here that we're introduced the, to the character that makes me feel attacked. Um, <laughs> this was the best guy. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the crow man. What a squat little man. Oh, where is this? Where's the description? He's great. Where are you, Crow Man? Well, as you find him, I will discuss. Right, it's a short passage of um, Victor Carrion and why he's so upset with um, the actual city that he can see from outside of his bedroom window. Yes, such was the secret sanctuary of Victor Carrion, a votary of that wretched sect of souls who believe that the only value of this world lies in its power, at certain times, to suggest another. Nevertheless, the place he now surveyed through the high window could never be anything but the most gauzy phantom of that other place, nothing save a great shadowy mimic of the anatomy of that great dream. The the potentiality, the ruin of Vastarian, the dream city, um, because it can potentially be everything and anything all at once, uh, makes the real world... Um, landscapes suffer um, in comparison. It's something that is a, a, def, a definitive thing. You can't, it's not, in, it's not um, mutable any longer. Yes. Because you've seen it, because you know it, uh, it can be learned. It can be studied. Um, it can be experienced to its, to its fullness. It holds no further mysteries. And because of that, it's dull and dreary and boring. Mm-hmm. Um, but the potentiality of a world uh, full of mysteries, but yet still at its end, um, is what what draws um, Victor to uh, want to re- remain in his dream world. And there's yes. something, of course, else. Um, accordingly, did you find the the I did bur- the, the burb man? Ah. <clears throat> uh. Absorbed as he was in perusing so much verbiage, he was startled when someone with a voice like that of a child spoke to him. Have you seen our friend? Asked the nearby voice, startling him somewhat. Victor Carrion turned to face the stranger. The man was rather small and wore a black overcoat. His hair was also black and fell loosely across his forehead. Besides his general appearance, there was something about his presence that made one think of a crow, a scavenging creature in wait. And in wait, has he come out of his sanctum? The man asked, gesturing towards the empty desk and the dark area behind it. I'm sorry, I haven't seen anyone. Carrion replied. I only now noticed you. That's right, the crow man. You're Tiny just upset crow. because he's like the opposite of you. <laughs> I am in I am I am attacked. You're am affronted attacked by, by this 
this polar opposite. I want, stature. I want my yes. The, the crow man should be large and loom. Yes, large, looming, and with less inky black hair. Yes. No, no inky black hair, actually. Yes, no, no hair at all. Cur- cur- yes, currently, no, no inky black hair. Yes. Um, but yes, the <laughs> I, I love that he keeps, he also just refers to him as the human crow um, and never bothers to learn his name. He's just the crow man, the human crow, the annoyance. Um, uh, yeah, he's great. Um, mm. And uh, eventually the shopkeeper comes back and, and takes the uh, the crow man uh, to a, a back room to peruse some uh, seemingly uh, choice high wares. Um, yes, some secretive tomes that uh, that uh, Victor is now jealous of because he's not privy to the um, discussion. Uh, here, I did dig up slightly previous the exact um, passage where we find out what Victor wants, and I think why I like this story so much. The other worlds portrayed in these books served only as annexes of this one. They were impostors of the authentic unreality, which was the only redemption for Victor Carion. And it was this terminal point that he sought, not those guidebooks of the way to useless destinations, heavens or hells that were mere pretexts for circumnavigating the real and reveling in it. For he dreamed of shadowed volumes that preached no earthly catechisms, but delineated only a tenebrous liturgy of the spectral and rites of salvation by way of meticulous derangement, his absolute, to dwell among the ruins of reality. Yes. I like this. <laughs> this is, yes, this is what I want. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so he has an objective. He wants to not, he, yes, it is, it is, it is literally, it is, it is familiarity breeds discontent, but for reality itself. Yeah. Yes. And the, the, the the promises of he's looking into like occult into demonologies into all these various things that um on the outset seem to be tied to kind of what he wants but they they only promise um it's it's like false advertising mm-hmm. so they'll they'll say that yes if you do these these things um, you will get this. But the thing that they're saying, the thing that they're promising are usually like promises of power, of of um, mm, physical benefits. Yes. Like your, immortality. Your, your, your immortality. Sure. You will turn gold or um, metal into gold. And anything that you get something for something. Right. It's not what he wants. He doesn't want... Um, Though he has no want of the, no need of those things, they are all uh real, they are all tangible, um, h- human trappings. Yes, 
you know, he doesn't want that. He wants the promise of the beyond uh, mm. and, and not some kind of like paradise. Uh, it's more the, the end of all things just to sort of revel and witness that, but it's not the ending that um, interests him. It's not the apocalyptic um, fervor or the idea of um, the idea of everything collapsing. He wants the end result. He wants it to already be to already have been done and to mm. live in that moment. Yes. Um, he, 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 I think, I think in, 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 in an alternate world, if, if Victor Carrion had discovered the Dark Souls series, he might have had a better, better end. Because if he wants to explore a world that's already had it, that's, that's what. That would be the one. Yes. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like Dark Souls. <laughs> hmm. A ponderance for another day. Um, so what, uh, yes, the, he, he I guess, I guess jealous. to, to, there's a passage that puts that all into, um, summation. The vision of a disastrous enlightenment was conjured up in passing and then cast aside. What remained was invariably a metaphysics as systematically trivial and debased as the world it was purported to transcend. So this is him talking about not liking the things that say that they could be cool. Uh, mm -hmm. A manual outlining the path to some hypothetical state of pure glory. What remained lost was the revelation that nothing ever known has ended in glory, that all which does and does all which ends does so in exhaustion, confusion, and debris. And he <laughs> wants that. Yep. The, uh, yes. the, the, um, he's reading books that have, uh, tantalizing hints, things that like when he cracks it open, or reads the, the, the dust jacket, like it seems like it's going to be what he wants. They, they talk about um, to become the wind in the dead of winter and howl the undoing of all that would abide in warmth and light. He's like, yes, that, that's what I want. And then it go, they go on to go, well, actually, um, uh, if you uh, give us money and we'll do this three-step program, uh, you will also benefit. Like, no, 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 no. I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want all these trappings and physical attainments and treasures and power and it's like no just give me the destruction but the end of yes. it like yes when it's all said and done i want what's there left remaining right so yes to, i want to pick through the corpse of dead civilization free of of anyone else's uh interests or influence i just want to uh live yeah live in the corpse of this world Yes. Um, yes, it's 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 like that 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 Twilight Zone episode, Burgess Meredith, but but our 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 narr our our main character wants to go to that world after Burgess Meredith has died. Yes, and um, he he finds 
some very spe- like books that seem to be almost exactly what he's looking for. Um, mm-hmm. when when the two the bookseller and the crow man are in their discussion, he's using that moment to like kind of step over the counter and look at uh, some of the books you can't normally get to. Um, yes. And uh, Ligotti hears name dropping uh, his own stuff, and it's great. Uh, <laughs> he's he's like he's he's flipping through some of the books, and it's um, depicting names and situations that uh, that are um, close to what he wants. And it's such yeah. as the works of Sinothiglis or the Noct- Noctuary of Tyne. They're conveying schemes so bizarre, so remote from known texts or treaties of the exoteric tradition that he felt assured of the sense of his quest. And he's hearing a sort of, uh, uh, the, the, the two men are concluding their business and, um, he finds a small grayish tome leaning within a gap created by larger tomes on either side, something that's just high up enough that he has to contort himself stretching to his uttermost limit to reach this um this particular book the uh of course i took the time to look up the um, synothoglis synothiloglis something like that it's they picked a lot of consonants to jam together um this is a a goddess within one of uh, Ligati's other short stories. And it is a, um, a, the more mortuarian of the dead, but of like all the dead. Uh, this is one who embalms even like the gods. Yes. So it's, it's beyond even that, like of death, which would be just a regular subset of, of like on the hierarchy this is like beyond the hierarchy there's something that has to even maintain the gods when they die yes really cool idea and then the noctuary of tyne uh it doesn't have a specific reference other than there being a short story collection which is out of print in english but only in italian i believe um uh the noctuary or noctuary um the the night diary is the, the sort of portmanteau of it Yes. Um, that one can be found in hardback, I believe, in English, but it's like prohibitively expensive. So we will not be <laughs> covering that because I don't have 150 to $200 to pay for a out-of-print book. But I will look around for it because it does sound awesome. But yes, he finds this little gray book and it is uh, very important. Um, because this is what leads his him on his quest to uh, initially discover Vesterian. Yes. Because, because this entire story is not told chronologically and does not let you know that <laughs> like as you're reading it. So it's a little right. bit – I think that may have been what threw you off a little bit. Um, yes. It's because the, it's leading you in a weird, twisty way to – the 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 beginning um it's not in it's not in media race it's in some other format mm-hmm. because we do end up at the beginning but in a unexpected route i guess it, i i think another reason bounced off this one is that it is it is significantly denser yes uh than 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 the previous two 
And uh, speaking to to that that idea of uh, the the um, uh, our main character being so um, over reality, um, the the text is so so dense and descriptive and and wall like that perhaps uh, it was possibly intentional that one might might bounce off this work uh because uh, yes because the book vesterian that he finds which is the self-titled of his story is not a an accessible book right it's something that <laughs> is difficult and it's um it's really weird because the or it's not weird it's it's very appropriate that um when he's trying to buy the book the the raven man I'm sorry, the crow, crow man, crow man, uh, crow man. He, he's surprised that, um, Victor is reading the book at all. Yes. He's like, he's like, isn't that difficult to read? And, um, Victor's like, no, he's no, not, not. I mean, some of the passages are verbose, but I get what it's saying. And that's surprising to both, um, the crow man and to the the books well the books are for a different reason but um to the the crow man uh who is becomes excited at that prospect that that someone's able to read the book yes uh and so victor wants to buy it and it's crazy expensive no oh, how how very un- unsurprising <laughs> Yes, but book 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 prices in 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 this kind of fiction come in 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 two prices. It's either prohibitively expensive or completely free. Yes, or bankrolled by somebody else, which ends up being the case here, because yes. the um the crowman uh speaks to the bookseller, and they reach an agreement. We find out later where the crowman picked up the larger sum of that total purchase and they just artificially reduce the price that way without telling Victor. Right. So Victor has the book. He has the book and he reads it and it is what, what engenders in him the, the dreams um, of Vestarian. Mm-hmm. And we find out that the book is a, it's a book in name only because it's, <laughs> yeah. because it's book shaped. Yes. Right. Uh, but really what it is, is a, um, what I think it is, is a conduit um, to siphon off um, some kind of energy from a person uh, to feed another person okay ish so the, the long and short of it will be the the crow man uh uses that book to form uh or to, to allow another person to form what they most desire uh, in in the form of a dream and this uh Crow man is a dream eater. Oh, okay. and and the more powerful your dream, the more 
sustenance um, he gains from it. But in exchange, or it's not really an exchange, um, as your dream is eaten, so are you. Like you're, it, you, you will lose yourself eventually because you've invested everything of your being into this dream. Is is there what that go. book allows for? Yeah, that's okay. That makes that makes a lot more sense. Um. Okay. You're you're you know what, Dave? You're actually around on this. Because I was, I was, <laughs> I was very not big on this, but I, I'm I yeah. Uh, by 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 realizing that the story is deliberately inaccessible, I kind of have to respect it for doing exactly what it set out to do. Yeah, it, it like it, it is the book it's talking about, right? To a to a, a certain degree, um, and a lot of trouble that could be had in reading this is the details are literally buried in like single phrases of a single sentence in like a three paragraph like missive Mm -hmm. so what we what what ultimately this um boils down to is victor realizes what's going on because he ends up having another dream where there is a giant crow man eating his dream city Mm -hmm. or the details of it rather the 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 city itself um, becomes a thing that Victor can't travel to. It becomes something unattainable in the sky, uh, less and less distinct, more and more dreamlike, less real to him. Its possibilities becoming diminished. It's becoming mundane because <clears throat> it's becoming less of a dream and more just a drudgery. Um, then he sees a figure. Uh, in the distance, a large, looming colossus, uh, something somewhat of a man and somewhat of a crow, uh, absorbing something from the the aura of the dream Vesterian. And yes. He, he, not being a stupid man, puts you know two and two together and realizes something's eating his dream. And he's not about to have that. Uh, so <laughs> he, he, he does go visit the bookseller who has the, my shop is closed now, um, and gets a little bit more of the, the background on what happened with the book and that the, the crow man, um, potentially put that book there to be sold, um, because the bookseller didn't even know he had an expensive book like that in his, in his shop. Um, mm-hmm. and the, the backroom deal was that the crow man was going to pay the, you know, the, the lion's share of that huge fee and that, that, you know, give them the victor, the resulting discount so he could afford the book. Um, but that the, the, the bookseller was surprised that the, um, the crow man had not visited, uh, um, victor yet. Um, because he thought that was just part and parcel of what happened. He's aware kind of of what the book is, even if he couldn't read it himself because he's unable mm. to read it. Um, only select few can. And that's also why they, well, um, the, the crow man in particular was pleased that someone was able to read it. It's, it's difficulty lies in it's not a book. The, right. the, there's nothing on the pages. It is a blank thing that you fill with whatever your dream is. Um, and knowing this and knowing that the crow man is going to pay him a visit, um, Victor 
does something about it. He murders the crow man. <laughs> or at least his physical body. Yes. Uh, this this staves off the um psychic dream assault. And uh he he's able to um remain in Vistarian um and try to regain its its splendors to him. Uh but by virtue of him murdering someone and claiming that he's like living in a book that has no words in it, um he's sent to the uh local sanitarium. Yes. For the the criminally insane, because he murdered a man, is he's, he's now a raving lunatic, for for want of a better word. Um, but that has kept him safe. Like he's <laughs> he's not personally upset about being there because now he's safe from any future visitations, um, and can right. be in, and someone can keep an eye on him at all times when he's not actually sleeping. Um, however, he is reduced to a raving man outside of his dreams. Um, his his yes. physical waking body is no good. Um, and we get the curious effect of uh, the orderlies that are, that are and doctors that are looking after him. Um, well, he disturbs them in all kinds of ways just because of what he raves about. Uh, and he has that book with him. Then they keep trying to take it away, but it always finds its way or another version of it somehow appears in, in his cell and no one else can read it. And they can't transfer him to a better facility because no one's going to believe that there's a stark raving man with a magic book. Right, right. <laughs> and the um, there's there's a bit of um, it, it talks about uh when he's he's kind of writing in the book because it definitely says each passage he enters into the book both enchanted and appalled him so he's somehow filling the book with his own writings of vestarian mm -hmm. uh and it also talks about this there was horror undoubtedly but it was a good horror or i'm sorry it was a horror uncompromised by any feeling of lost joy or thwarted searching for the good instead there was a there was proffered deliverance by damnation and if vestarian was a nightmare it was a nightmare transformed in spirit by the utter absence of refuge uh, nightmare made normal so yes if something is like if you're exposed to something so long it becomes just the the de facto truth to you then is it like a bad thing right um and I don't think I had, I will briefly get to the, yes. Um, here's the, here's the end of this. Uh, and when someone asks what that book means to him or even what its name is, what, what would be our answer? And these are the, the orderlies. Um, as if in response to this question, a word was uttered by the criminally insane creature bound to the bed, but none of them could understand the meaning of what he said. They were part of a world of overbearing and yet deficient realities. They were shackled for life to their own bodies, while he was now in a place that owed nothing to corporeal existence, and never, it truly seemed, could he be forced to abandon this domain of wayward wonders. Never. So he's basically trapped himself in the world of Vesterian of his own accord. It's kind of like a, this is Ligotti's never-ending story. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's also, I think, why I like this one a lot because that's what this was. 
<clears throat> excuse me. Uh, yes, this is Lagati's uh, never-ending story. Now that you phrased it exactly like that, um, it, it it's actually inverse never-ending story too. We don't talk about that movie. I, I actually kind of like that movie. I I, I like mm, I like uh, visual elements of that movie. Let me put it that way. <laughs> I had to qualify that really distinctly looking back as soon as I said it. No, there are just some visual elements of, of that movie that I like. Yeah. So his his Vestarian is the never-ending story world once it has been consumed by the nothing. Yep. Like, he wants that. He doesn't care about the consuming part. He doesn't care about how it's being destroyed. He just wants, like, that's the outcome. It's going to happen. Let's go there. Mm -hmm. It'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go to the end of the world. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's why I like this one. (laughs) Yep. You're right. It's a pretty good one. Uh I'm I'm I've completely I've actually completely turned around on it. That said, I still love petty mirrors and arguing corpse closet corpse couples a mm-hmm. little more. <laughs> we I think the I think these two were were a pretty good metric for what we both inter, uh, enjoy with 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 our horror. I I do like my absurd quite a bit. Yes, and there is um I guess furthermore uh in the the Legati-esque um there is a specific uh literary journal um by Grimscribe Press actually which is Vestarian. Um it there I want to say there's three issues at least or three volumes. Uh, mm-hmm. And these are all um, short stories and essays um, uh, related to like love of Legati and and things Legatian. So they are purchasable on Amazon for uh, at least I picked them up at a relatively I think cheap price at the time. Um, they are, here is the here is the entry for it. Vestarian is a source of critical study and creative response to the corpus of Thomas Ligotti, as well as associated authors and ideas. The journal includes nonfiction, literary horror fiction, poetry, artwork, and non-classifiable hybrid pieces. And I have a couple of those, and they are several hundred pages apiece. And haven't nice. had the luxury to read them just yet, but I think they'll just find their way into uh, what we're doing anyway. Yes. And they have really good cover artwork. <laughs> all right, uh, all right. That was uh, that was a big one. As these the the Legati verse, the Legati expanded universe. Um, ooh, that actually sounds really awful. That sounds yeah. Like we won't talk. The, we won't talk about that. No, I just mean like conceptually, like yes, I know. These, okay, good. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, okay. That has been that has been monster, dear monster, listeners. Um, 
if you would uh um if you i man you know what i don't know how to close this tape i forgot how to close dave can you help was me it, close this episode it was eaten by the crow man wasn't it yeah probably actually these things happen yes uh that wraps us up for this episode uh we will do a little bit of admin that we have so which is leonard where can folks find you on the interwebs People can find me on the interwebs uh, on Twitter uh, by searching at Dr. Faust is dead, all one string of words. Uh, And people can also find me on YouTube where I uh, host my creative endeavors on my channel, Dr. Faust is dead. Uh, currently working on a video for the uh, 2018 indie title, Grease. And Dave, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me on Twitter at sentinut underscore plus. That's primarily where I am. That will be in the notes. And our wayward co-host who appears every other episode, Cameron can also be found on Twitter at night underscore twitten, and that's night without a K, just like the darkness of the night. Uh, this wraps us up for actually um, all of Songs of a Dead Dreamer, uh, and we will begin our descent into Grimscribe um, next time. Yes. Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>